When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back, MD Nation, into the show. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN. Presented to you by Belly Up Sports. And as always, I'm your host, Dan Mader. We're back with the Sunday night, the Monday night recap, and of course, the waiver wire report at the end of today's show all in store for you and it's just another day and another craziness as far as the news goes in the NFL they have decided to postpone the Steelers Ravens game to Wednesday afternoon as of recording this late Monday night so you guys have it's available to you early Tuesday morning we're still waiting to hear exactly how the platforms are going to be handling this it sounds like as of now or at least they were going to when there's going to be a Tuesday night game that they were in fact going to delay the waiver wire a day where ESPN, Yahoo, and everything and such, everybody who has their waiver wires, you know, their, their claims go in Tuesday night and clear early Wednesday morning. We're going to get delayed into Wednesday night into Thursday morning. I don't believe that the, or yeah, I don't believe that the game on the afternoon on Wednesday will affect that because that game is actually going to be at 3.40 in the afternoon on Wednesday, meaning nobody's going to be watching that game. That's Eastern time, by the way. Uh, so you're going to have that. That will be done before Wednesday night. So I don't believe that they're going to actually have to change anything there. So just 
be mindful of what platform you're playing on, what their rules are going to be, but there's a pretty good chance that your waiver wire is going to be delayed 24 hours instead of Tuesday night making the claims and getting them cleared Wednesday night or Wednesday morning. It will be Wednesday night and getting them cleared Thursday morning, most likely. Now, there is not a Thursday game this week because it was supposed to be the Baltimore Ravens. Instead, that game got moved as of now to Monday. Because they also moved the Steelers-Washington game to next Monday as well. So suddenly we were thinking we were looking at a triple header come Monday night next week. Then there was talk about, well, they might move the Ravens and Dallas game to Tuesday night next week to give the Ravens an extra day off and also to ensure that they're not stepping on the toes because they have the TV deals and they need their primetime games. And Fox has the rights to that Thursday night game that should have been the Ravens and the Dallas Cowboys, and they want that to be a primetime game where they're getting most of the ratings as part of their contract deal. So that's why that game could now be moved to Tuesday. So we might have a doubleheader on Monday and a Tuesday night game next week so far. That's what we may be looking at. We'll have all that and more when we come back to you guys on Thursday from 12 to 1.30 on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on WWSRN. Make sure you're downloading the app on Android or iOS. Is WWSRN for you guys the best way to tune in, listen, watch live, and all the other great content going on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. So we'll, we'll make sure we have you up to date. Make sure you're following us on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow, along with the player news update notifications. We usually try to keep you up to date with what the NFL and what their new wacky plan for their scheduling uh, comes down to with the coronavirus going on. So a lot of things up in the air as far as when these games are going to be taking place. But the most important things you need to keep in mind for your fantasy uh, football lineups and your teams is that the waiver wire will be pushed back a day, but also the game on Wednesday afternoon will count towards the Week 12 scores still, and then the fo- same thing will follow for the following week. It's just a matter of when these games are going to get played, but it sounds like these games will get played one way or another. The one thing I will add for the game on Wednesday afternoon is that Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, now apparently will be eligible to return for that game because they'll have their week in isolation. Now, whether they will or not is a different conversation. That depends on how they're doing. It depends if they're testing negative and everything like that. But if they are, in fact, testing negative, and they have been this entire time, technically their week of isolation will be up. Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins could be back for that game. So if you picked up Gus Edwards... I don't know that he'll be the lone back like you were counting on him to be. Now, they still have the problem of they're not going to have Lamar Jackson. They're not going to have a Willie Sneed. They're not going to have a lot of their defensive players for that game. They all might be back for Monday. They won't have Mark Andrews either. But the running backs, as far as Ingram and Dobbins are concerned, they might be back in the lineup. So that'll be something that we'll have to watch. Make sure you're following us on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow for that news notification. We'll keep you up to date, of course, on that throughout the time leading up to that game. Okay. Now that we have all of that out of the way, we pretty much have you caught up to date as far as you know late Monday night goes. We have the Sunday night recap to talk about. The Chicago Bears, Green Bay Packers, Mitchell Trubisky coming in for his first start since earlier on in the season after Nick Foles took over. And while it wasn't pretty, and he had his typical Mitchell Trubisky turnovers throughout this game, and the Green Bay Packers did blow them out. However, the Bears' offense as a whole still functioned better with Mitchell Trubisky in the lineup. It's not still, it's still not great. And I talked about this going into the game. It wouldn't be great because Mitchell Trubisky is still a terrible quarterback. But because he's mobile and they can run RPO, all of a sudden David Montgomery had more running room than he's had all season long. And he only had 11 carries in this game. Now, a lot of that had to do with the game script because the Packers blew the Bears out early in this game. 
But off of 11 carries, he had 103 yards. He looked more explosive, had more lanes to run through than he has at any other point this season. That the only change is that you have the RPO action off of Mitchell Trubisky's mobility, and that the defense actually has to be has to respect that. So David Montgomery has his best game of the year. Now the Green Bay Packers, we all know, are a completely terrible run defense, but this is the story right now for David Montgomery. He he amongst almost any other running back out there, not named Derrick Henry, has one of the best schedules in the in your fantasy playoffs including next week when they play Detroit. But they have one of the best schedules throughout the entire fantasy playoffs where if David Montgomery could maintain Mitchell Trubisky being the starting quarterback and maintain the possibility of RBO, RPO and maintain what he could do in this game against other poor run defenses that are comparable to the Green Bay Packers this season for the rest of the way, David Montgomery suddenly could be a very key playoff contributor and might wind up being on a lot of championship teams come Week 16. This was the whole debate about David Montgomery leading up into this part of the season. It was, could you do something against these bottom-tier run defenses because you're going to face a lot of them back-to-back-to-back in the most important time of your fantasy football playoffs? Or were you just going to continue to be a guy who gets a good amount of volume and therefore has a good floor but never actually does anything exciting with the football, therefore you're not going to get these big ceiling games? Well, he had a nice ceiling game in this one because not only did he give you over 100 yards on the ground, but he maintained his capacity in the passing game that he's had since Tariq Cohen's been out. He had six targets, five catches, 40 yards, and a receiving touchdown in this game. So he had a big fantasy day. And the receiving part of that continues to be the case. Whether it's Mr. Trubisky or Nick Foles, he's getting involved. He's getting about five to six targets pretty much every single game that Tariq Cohen has not been the starting quarterback. So for for Montgomery's case, and then also for Allen Robinson's case, for the fantasy owners of those two players, you actually want Mitchell Trubisky to continue being the starting quarterback. Now, it sounds like he's definitely going to be the quarterback for Week 13. After that, that's where the question lies. Now, Nick Foles didn't do anything special when he was out there, so if Mitchell Trubisky can just make the Bears a competent offense, they might be okay. And generally speaking, while his turnovers definitely played a factor in last night's game, it was also that the Bears' defense didn't quite look like the Bears' defense that it had been to this point in the season. Now, also, the other part of that is Aaron Rodgers playing out of his mind. And I think he looked at what Patrick Mahomes did earlier on that day and was like, hey, you know what? I need to make sure I keep pace with this MVP race because to me it's down to Patrick Mahomes and it's down to Aaron Rodgers. But that I think that had a big reason to do with it. Chicago's Bears defense is better than what they showed in the Sunday night game. They'll be better against Detroit especially. Where David Montgomery will be able to get more carries, especially with Mitch Trubisky at the helm, that could mean really good things. That could mean Montgomery being a really high-end RB2 quite possibly with these matchups coming up if they continue to go with that same formula. Allen Robinson, eight catches, 74 yards, two touchdowns on 13 targets. Now, no matter who the quarterback is, he's been the lead targeted guy, but he actually got targeted in the end zone, shocker, shocker, with Mitchell Trubisky at the starting quarterback position. Where with Nick Foles, it was like, yeah, you're targeted, but it's never really in the realm of the area where you could possibly do anything with the football. I'm not, like I said, not a Trubisky fan. I think he's a horrible quarterback, but he's better than Nick Foles, especially for this offense and what they need. They need to add that RPO element to give them something extra on offense to have to defend because before, it's just Nick Foles throwing the ball at the back of his foot. There's nothing to defend when it came to the Chicago Bears offense. So we'll see if this continues because at the end of the day, they still got a blowout loss. He still had a lot of turnovers. 
So we'll have to wait and see. But from a fantasy perspective, Trubisky's the guy you want in there for Montgomery and for Allen Robinson. The only other interesting note here is that while Jimmy Graham had four targets, three catches, 32 yards, compared to Cole Komet's three targets, one catch, eight yards, is that Cole Komet did play significantly more snaps than Jimmy Graham. So this could be an indication that the rookie is ready to take over the tight end position moving forward for the rest of the season. We'll see if that comes to fruition next week. I'm not streaming either one of them. Going into next week, just something to kind of keep an eye on if they do that. The tight end of the Chicago Bears has been a fantasy-relevant tight end so far this season. So now we move things over to the Green Bay Packers. Like, again, I said, Aaron Rodgers playing out of his mind. He's crazy efficient in this game. 21 of 29, four passing touchdowns, only 211 yards, but I felt like they just played the entire game in the Chicago end of the field, and that's partly why. Hit Robert Tanyan on a touchdown, five targets, five catches, 67 yards. Still very much a hit-or-miss project. Still very much a guy that you're probably going to have him on your bench when he actually does well, and you'll probably start him when he does absolutely nothing, unfortunately. Devontae Adams continues his touchdown streak. He had six catches, 61 yards on nine targets with that touchdown. And then Alan Lazard had a touchdown this game, four catches, 23 yards, six targets, and Mercedes Lewis was the last guy to get the touchdown, just spreading it all around. Adams, Rodgers, you know what the deal is there. You don't have to worry about that. It's Is there another pass catcher here on the Green Bay Packers that can be fantasy relevant? I do believe that can be Alan Lazard, but he's clearly not back yet to what we were seeing earlier on in the season. This also wasn't a game script where it was back and forth very much either. Aaron Rodgers only threw the ball 29 times. It's one of his lower pass attempts on the year. So we're going to have to see what happens when they get a game script where we're going back and forth. I do believe Alan Lazard can be a high-end wide receiver for moving forward and somebody that should be rosterable and has the best chance of being that second best pass catcher for the Green Bay Packers for Aaron Rodgers moving forward. But for now, I don't see why you'd be plugging him in to your starting lineups until you get to see him be more consistently involved. As far as the running backs go for the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams split the carries. And there's been... A quite a significant split going on between these two guys in the sense of it's been very, very close. Even when Aaron Jones come back from that injury, some people want to argue like, well, they want to make sure that he doesn't get re-injured. Look, Aaron Jones, to me, from a health standpoint, from a physical standpoint, there doesn't seem like there's anything wrong with the guy. He's running just as powerful, just as explosive as he ever, as he ever has. 17 carries, 90 yards against a good run defense in the Chicago Bears. That's not the issue. I think Jamal Williams is just more in shape than he's ever been and having a better year than he ever has, and they feel the need to get him involved too. And he got 17 carries for 73 yards and a touchdown. Now, a lot of his work came in the second half when the game was well in hand, but he's been consistently involved even in close games so far this season. Jamal Williams is somebody that is working himself into a, a situation where he's an RB3. He is a possible flex play, even with Aaron Jones on the field. Now, you're looking for a high floor. He happened to score a touchdown this game, so that boosted his fantasy stats. Neither one of the running backs were involved in the passing game very much. Aaron Jones had two targets. Jamal Williams wasn't involved at all. I'm not going to look at this and say, like, well, we got to play Jamal Williams in a flex from here on out, but he's an option if you're in a bad situation, let's say. Because it's not you're not going to be in a good situation if, you have Jamal, if you're having to play Jamal Williams at your flex spot because there's not going to be a lot of games like this, I believe, where they're both going to be able to contribute at a high level necessarily. But he continues to be one of the high-end handcuffs of the day and kind of works himself into that Latavius Murray area where you start to contemplate whether he can be a flex play, where he can be an RB3, depending on what you need and what the matchup is. 
Like I said, in this game against Chicago Bears, they both played really well. So that was the big surprise here. It's why the Bears' defense was not quite the Bears' defense in this game, and I think that had more of a contributing factor really than anything else at this point. So that's going to do it for the Sunday night recap. So now we can go ahead and dive into the Monday night game between the Seattle Seahawks and the Philadelphia Eagles. The Seahawks going on the road and winning this game 23-17. to The Eagles just continue to have woes on the offensive side of the ball. Although we have to lead off with the with the lead, which is of course Jalen Hurts did was not a thing. Okay, all that talk about the entire weekend long about Jalen Hurts is going to get got first team reps and Jalen Hurts is going to be involved. And oh no, is this the end of Carson Wentz? He had one pass attempt, folks. One. Kind of knew this from the get go. Here, he was not going to come in and bench Carson Wentz in this game. Wasn't going to happen. In fact, Doug Peterson even came out and said it wasn't going to be much different than it was any other week, which is they'll get him a couple snaps here and there, get him out in the field. It's pretty much what they did in this game. Gave him a couple snaps early on in the game. That was it. It was a competitive game, at least. Both defenses actually came to play. Seattle's defense for the second week in a row, having a decent performance finally yet again. Now in this game, there's a little bit of, you know, a little bad offense mixed with a decent defense in this one. But we'll stay with the Eagles side of the ball. And Carson Wentz, he has no time to throw. Absolutely none. Zero time to throw. Doug Peterson is doing a horrible job calling plays and making this offense easy on him in any capacity. And part of it's him. Part of it's not making the right decisions. But It's hard to make the right decisions when you are under fire 24-7 and your head coach, supposed to be this offensive guru, Flat out has just no clue what's going on. Just doesn't. He did tack on 42 yards on the ground, so there was somewhat of a fantasy floor. But right now, I don't know if I want to be attached to the Philadelphia Eagles. Because even Miles Sanders, who I do think will have better days ahead, obviously, but only six carries for 15 yards in this game, two catches, seven yards. Even Miles Sanders has not been much of a fantasy factor so far this season. And with them not going to have Lane Johnson coming back at any point this year, you're left to wonder, can the Philadelphia Eagles ever really turn this thing around? Because their offensive line is going to be in shambles for the rest of the season. The only thing I would maybe be okay with is Dallas Goddard. Seven catches, 75 yards, and a touchdown on 10 targets. Second game in a row, he comes through and performs for you at the tight end position, which is huge. But we also know that Zach Ertz was... In the conversation to possibly return this week, he'll be back next week, most likely. So how will that affect Dallas Goddard now? A lot of questions to be answered. And this is a team that has to play two tight end sets. Has to. Because they need all the blocking help that they can get. Dallas Goddard being the better blocker may be the one who stays in more times than not with Zach Ertz going out the run route. That'll just muddy this Philadelphia Eagles offense to an even further degree. Travis Fulgham, not a thing anymore. He's just not. There's no reason to own him. He's had one catch the past two weeks leading into this game, and in this game, two catches, 16 yards. But unlike the last two weeks, which has given you some hope, he was still getting targeted at a high clip. He was only targeted twice in this game. The wide receiver who was targeted the most was Jalen Rager. But Alshon Jeffrey, two catches, 15 yards, four targets, the first time really, really on the box score. 
Alshon Jeffrey continues to play a little bit more and a little bit more. Travis Fulgham is irrelevant. Travis Fulgham should not be in your starting lineups, period. The time of him giving you that nice little span of production is out the window. And the less Philadelphia Eagles you have in your fantasy team in your playoffs, the better at this point. Flip it over to the Seattle Seahawks side of the ball. Russell Wilson continues to have his fantasy cold spell, if you will. Only 230 yards, one touchdown, only 12 yards rushing. Hasn't really been that top-notch guy that he had been all season long. and It hasn't really been that elite QB1, QB2 right there neck and neck with Kyler Murray over the past couple of three games now, I would say. They're still letting him cook. It's The offense is still flowing through Russell Wilson. But he's not putting up those gaudy numbers that he was earlier on in the season. You can't move off of him, though. We've seen this out of Russell Wilson. I talked about this before. One of the downfalls about drafting Wilson is that you always go through this time this, this time spell at some point during the season where he just kind of cools off and just kind of average as far as the stat lines go. just happens. Sometimes at the beginning of the year, sometimes at the end, sometimes it's in a little bit in the middle, but he always has this four-game stretch. Well, I think we're at the game three of that four-game stretch right now, and then he'll get hot again. When you have weapons like DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, Tyler Lockett is very quiet in this game, but when you have weapons like that, it can only hold you down for so long. With DK Metcalf, if you've been sitting there asking yourself the question, can he truly do it against elite corner talent because he hasn't produced much in those situations so far this season, part of that is good corner play. Part of that is also... That because they have a good wide receiver and Tyler Lockett on the other side, he usually has a big mismatch. They don't always try to push the ball to DK Metcalf. Well, they had no holdbacks in this one. And I don't know if it was because of the tiff back and forth that Darius Slay and DK Metcalf were in. But I'll tell you what, 10 catches, 177 yards, 13 targets. I can't remember the last time a wide receiver was going to put up that stat line when being shadow covered by Darius Slay. That's why I was very surprised Tyler Lockett had a quiet game. I thought he'd have a good game in here because he has a great mismatch on the opposite side because everyone not named Darius Slay hasn't really been able to cover their shadow for the Philadelphia Eagles so far this season. Tyler Lockett simply just was not very involved in this game. Nobody was outside of DK Metcalf. As far as the running back situation goes, it was good to see Chris Carson back out there. If you played him, you got your 40 yards, you got a touchdown. Two catches, 18 yards. So an okay performance because of that touchdown. But Carlos Hyde, 15 carries, 22 yards. Nothing much to go there on the ground. Because the Philadelphia Eagles, you're not going to expect a big game. But what it did show me is that they're not quite ready yet to let Chris Carson dominate the touches. They want to make sure he's healthy heading into the playoffs, and it makes sense. I still believe Chris Carson is an RB2. I believe he'll play more next week and dominate more of the carries next week than he did this past week against the Philadelphia Eagles. But it also shows me that they're not going to just hand over the full keys to the bus when it comes to the workload at the running back position, especially with Carlos Hyde still healthy. They want to make sure Chris Carson is good to go. Can't afford to lose him again. This is the second time this year he's been hurt. First time he's actually missed games due to the injury. But you're getting down to crunch time now. And after this big win here, it helps them really take hold of first place with the Rams having lost. So Chris Carson will still be an RB2, and he'll play, and I do believe he'll have a little bit more of the touches next week. 
but they're not going to just ring it over to him instantly unless they need to. There's something to kind of keep in mind. There might be a little bit more of a risk with Chris Carson for Week 13 than there normally would be. I do believe, however, by Week 14, as long as all goes well, we'll see him back up to that 18 to 20 touch mark between the passing and the carry workload. I don't believe this is going to suddenly be a committee moving forward, so I'm not worried about it from that standpoint. That's going to wrap it up for the Monday Night Recap. Now that we've recapped both the Monday Night and the Sunday Night game, we can get into the Waiver Wire Report. This is the last Waiver Wire Report going into the regular season for the Fantasy Football Playoffs, which means that we have a list of players that we're going to talk about, but more importantly, yeah, I have to leave you with a piece of advice. If you're sitting there, you know you got the playoffs locked up already. You're not about playing this week. The, your strategy should not be for this week. Unless you're in a situation where you're still trying to compete for the division, you're trying to get that bye week, then then I understand. But if you have the playoffs locked up or if you have the division locked up, you're, you should have at least one eye. While you want to win every game that you can in fantasy football, you should have at least one eye on your Week 14, your Week 15 matchups coming up. So when you're looking at the waiver wire, the big things you want to do is make sure, one, if you have clear-cut handcuffs to your running backs, make sure you go ahead and pick them up. Number two, if you play with defenses, look at what their schedules are over the next three weeks. Pick up the defense that has the best schedule over the next three weeks. Not necessarily what the best one is for this week, or not necessarily the best one is for next week, look at the ones that have the ones the best for the next three weeks because you don't want to have to be fighting with other top playoff teams who are going to be paying closer attention to those types of positions in their lineups, like defense, like kicker, because when you're in the playoffs, you're going up against uh, other owners that have really good teams. That's why they're in the playoffs with you. The difference will be trying to edge them out in different positions, like defense, like kicker, to try to get those extra few points that could be all the difference in the world when you're talking about your fantasy playoff matchups. So have an eye on those things. Maybe pick up two good defenses. This is, frankly, the time that if you're in the playoff hunt, you're already, or I shouldn't say the hunt, but if you're locked up and you know you're going to be good to go, this is the time to start solidifying your roster and simplifying your rosters in some senses. You know what your starting lineup needs to be. You know who you're going to go with for over the next three weeks during your playoff race. It's time to make your roster smaller and just have it complement your starting lineup that got you there in the first place. That's what you need to be doing. So when we talk about guys like Devontae Booker, who's only 5% owned, or Tony Pollard, who's only 21% owned, or Alexander Madison, who's only 33% owned, or Latavius Murray, who's still somehow under 50% owned at 46% on average throughout the major platforms, you have to make these moves. You have to. Now, I had Gus Edwards on here as well. That was with the idea that we were going to have a Tuesday night game. It doesn't seem to be the case anymore because he was still somebody who's 44% owned, meaning if you're in a situation where you had somebody you could drop still that wasn't locked in from week 12, you could actually pick him up and, and play the guy who's going to probably get 20 carries. I don't know how good it's going to be. I don't know what what offensively the Ravens are really going to be able to accomplish without having Lamar Jackson or Mark Andrews or, or Willie Sneed out there. They might be getting Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins back, though. So that's something that kind of puts a little bit of cold water on the idea of an Edwards. But all those other guys I mentioned, Murray, Hyde, well, Hyde too, Murray, Hyde, Snell, Pollard, Devontae Booker, Alexander Madison, these are all guys 
that if you own their starters, you must own them. You must pick them up. You cannot go into the season with your possible guy in week 13, the last regular season game, possibly going down, and all of a sudden your top handcuff, the guy that you were leaning on to get you to the playoffs, suddenly his backup is up for grabs for anybody to go after. You can't be in that situation. You can't be. Be proactive, not reactive. Pick these guys up while you have the opportunity to do so. So that's the big thing I wanted to hit hard and hit first was those handcuffs. With Booker, he was somebody that was going to actually be a top priority for me until we finally got the news, and good news at that, that Josh Jacobs did have a minor ankle sprain and that the Raiders already came out and said that they actually have a good feeling about him being able to play this week against the New York Jets. So therefore, Booker goes back to being just a handcuffed guy, but 5% owned on average. If you're a Josh Jacobs owner, how is Devontae Booker on average only 5% owned? How is that possible? When Josh Jacobs is owned 100% of leagues and starting all over the place, it's clear who the handcuff is. That's It's been abundantly clear for some time now who the handcuff is for the Raiders. It's Devontae Booker. Why is he only 5% owned? He has to be more owned than that. So if you're Josh Jacobs' owner, your number one priority is getting Devontae Booker on your lineups. Now, outside of the obvious handcuffs, and those are, those should be your top priorities if you have their guys, the other guys you can kind of talk about, James White, 48%. We saw that while I don't expect him to get a couple of goal line touches like he did goal line carries, especially at that, like he did against Arizona the other day, without Rex Burkhead, it is possible, but it is it is that he, he will have a role. That's the word I was looking for. I was drawing a blank there for half a second. He is going to have a role, significant role at that the rest of the way with no Rex Burkhead in the lineup. Therefore, he's somebody who should be owned. We know what he's going to do in the passing game. Now, Sonny Michel was not was not utilized at all. Well, he was active for the game, but he didn't actually play the game, really. Didn't have any touches in that game whatsoever. But that's neither here nor there when it comes to James White because that's going to be Damian Harris and Sonny Michel's territory when it comes to the bulk of the carries most of the time for this team. James White's going to handle everything else. And it's all in this game. They even use him in the goal line. Don't expect that to continue to happen, but... He has a significant role with Rex Burkhead out. He's somebody who should be an RB3. He's somebody who should be a flex play if you're in half point and full point PPR leagues, or at least an option at that. So James White is somebody who can be a very valuable pickup. I'm not going to break my bank going after him. He's not a game changer or anything like that. I'm not spending a top priority on him, but he's somebody who's been kind of an afterthought because, one, for good reason, nobody really wants to touch a New England Patriot running back. But two, he's kind of been obsolete this entire season until now, until now that Burkhead is gone. So just kind of a name to kind of keep in mind there. We talked about Cole Komet a little bit in the Sunday night recap. If he continues to outsnap Jimmy Graham, he could become streaming territory. Not going after him this week at all. I only put him on the waiver wire report just to make a note to mention his name to you guys to make sure you kind of have him in the back of your mind if you've been desperately looking around for tight ends, somebody who might be emerging here late. And speaking of tight ends who might be emerging late and might be streaming options, Jordan Reed. And I obviously rather have Jordan Reed. Now, while his stat line wasn't overly impressive in Sunday's game, there was missed opportunities where he was wide open and Nick Mullins flat out just missed him, but he was targeted a significant amount. Jordan Reed is involved in this offense, so he's somebody who is going to be on that cusp of that streaming territory. So just somebody to keep in mind, he's only 15% owned on average, so he's widely available out there. One of the tight ends you can kind of add to your list of streamers as you've been going through this. Talk about quarterbacks. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 21% owned. I'm 
pretty confident Brian Fitzpatrick is going to start Week 13. Pretty confident, honestly, that it might be more than that. From what the reports that we were hearing about Tua and the, how much difficulty he was having gripping the football, I think there's a real chance here the Dolphins are not going to be aggressive about bringing Tua back, especially if they're winning ball games. They just won against the Jets. If Fitzpatrick's playing and they're winning, they're not going to bring Tua back unless he's 100%. They're not going to bring him back when he is... If he if, the, if Tua was like the established starter and he was injured, but he, but he could come back, then what would probably happen is that they would push him a little bit faster. But because he's not the number one starter, because he is somebody who that has a very good backup, they've been winning with Ryan Fitzpatrick for most of the season, and they don't want to mortgage their future with him, they're not going to bring him back until he's 100%. So Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think there's a real chance that not only is he the starter this week, but he could be the starter for week 14 as well. And we all know that he's a viable streaming option depending upon the matchup from a week-to-week basis. So somebody to kind of keep in mind that if you're looking to stream at quarterback too. Some of the wide receivers that I like quite a bit this week, Jacoby Myers, still only 45% owned on average. I know the past two weeks haven't been a gaudy stat line by any means, but more times than not, he's the most targeted wide receiver. I think he's the most talented wide receiver on the New England Patriots right now. Julian Edelman just got put on the COVID list, and he hadn't even been close to making his way back to begin with. So I I mean, I go back to saying I really don't see why Julian Edelman would come back this season at all. I don't see why they would go away from Jacoby Myers, who's been better than what Julian Edelman was before he went down in the first place anyway. So Jacoby Myers, somebody who's, if he's out there, Pick him up. He's a nice wide receiver, three to have, who has a decent floor right now. I know Cam didn't play particularly great, but we've seen this out of Cam before. We'll have a terrible game, and all of a sudden he goes rises right back up to the top 10 fantasy quarterback status again. And he'll take Jacoby Myers with him. He's the only wide receiver that I kind of like because I know he's going to get a select amount of targets heading his way, giving him a nice little floor from a week-to-week basis. Nelson Aguilar, even though the Raiders had a terrible off off offensive output against the Atlanta Falcons this past week. There's no doubt about that. You put that mostly on Derek Carr's shoulders. And in spite of being terrible, still five catches, 54 yards, still not a terrible stat line. And while they definitely made a effort to get Henry Ruggs a little bit more involved than he had been as of late, Nelson Aguilar has still been the most dependable wide receiver. He's still been the guy they've been taking shots to, and it been and it had been working. So I'm curious to see if they'll really go away from that again a second week in a row. I know Hunter Renfro was the big target on the day. That's going to happen when the Raiders have to throw the ball a ton over and over and over again, and then Derek Carr is left to dink and dunk, and then Hunter Hunter Renfro will get involved in that sense. Nelson Aguilar, right now with the way he's played this season, the role that's been in his offense, he is a home run threat, boomer bust type of wide receiver, low end wide receiver three play, high end wide receiver four. That's the territory that he's in. And somebody who has some value who's on the waiver wire at 32%. Now the one running back that I did not mention when we were talking about handcuffs, that I do think that if you have the room for it on your rosters and you're going through your playoff runs and you know you're going to be there and you have a spot at the end of your bench to go ahead and stash somebody who could be a very valuable piece for you potentially moving forward, that would be Cam Akers. He's only 28% owned on average. Now, Daryl Henderson is still the guy, but Cam Akers has been a little bit more involved and a little bit more involved over the past few weeks. 
He's looked more explosive than Daryl Henderson. The big thing I question is, is Daryl Henderson actually at 100% healthy? And if this trend continues, could we be two weeks away from Cam Akers suddenly taking over at the end of the season as the Rams go into the playoffs and get their more explosive rookie the ball? I don't know. I think it's a possibility. That's why I say if you are a playoff team, you know you're about to go on a run for the next few weeks, and you have a spot at the end of your bench that you can vacate, I would do so for a Cam Akers at 28%. Oh, now, there's an overall arcing thing to this. If you notice, as I went through this list in its entirety, I didn't talk about who would I spend a priority on or who I would spend fad budget on and what part of that budget would I spend. Because it's as simple as this. If you don't have your handcuffed, again, to your clear-cut running backs... Then I'm, and you have a priority. I'm spending the priority on that handcuff. I'm spending at least 10% of my fad budget, 15% of my fad budget, because no one else is probably going to go after him. So you don't have to go crazy. But I am going to spend resources on making sure I have those handcuffs after this week. Because going into week 13, you have other teams who are in the playoffs who are going to look to say, hey, you know what? Maybe I could pick up a Benny Snell with James Conner on the COVID list. And being that he's he is an ex-cancer patient, he may take a little bit longer to recover from this because he actually did test positive. He wasn't just a high contact tracing. Maybe I'll take a shot on an Alexander Madison after watching Dalvin Cook, who's probably going to play Week 13, but get a little bit banged up. Maybe I am going to try to make an effort to pick up a Devontae Booker with Josh Jacobs dealing with a little bit of a low ankle sprain that could be re-aggravated. Other teams are going to start to look at these options because they're going to start to look at what kind of lottery ticket can I take with me into the playoffs that if things go right might win me the championship that's what other teams out there are going to do so you have to make sure and I want to stress this time and time again you have to make sure you have your handcuffs before you go into the playoffs so that's that's the overall arcing thing there other than that I'm not spending resources on these other options these are all options you should be able to get for free Ryan Fitzpatrick at the quarterback, the tight ends, Jordan Reed, Cole Komet, the wide receivers, Nelson Aguilar, Sammy Watkins, who I forgot to mention, 34% owned on average. Everyone's going to get lost in that Tyreek Kill stat put from the other day. I know, and I know Sammy Watkins had a mediocre day from a production line. He still had seven targets in that game. And that's what I'm talking about. Seven to nine targets, that's where Sammy Watkins lives. It makes him a wide receiver three within that offense. Plain and simple. It just does. Don't lose out on that. Don't. He's a free pickup play. He's a solid wide receiver three. He can come in handy for you in different situations, depending if you have a guy who you already have as a wide receiver three you're not so sure about and they have a tough matchup. You can plug a Sammy Watkins in there and at least expect a decent floor. We'll see him get more involved as the offense goes on. But there's a lot of wide receivers who meet that criteria, Watkins and Myers and Aguilar. All these guys are pretty much the same. You should be able to get anyone you want of those three for free. You don't have to spend resources. You'll be able to get at least one of them without doing so. So that's why overall, you know, overall the theme for the waiver wire report is start to prepare for your playoffs. Don't spend resources unless it's for your direct handcuff because there's nobody this week who changes anything for you. For the guys who have to win week 13 just to get into the playoffs and you're looking for, you know, that that flex play or that wide receiver 2 or that RB2 possibly to try to give you that edge this week, that that person doesn't exist this week. At least not on the consensus average availability on the players that I came across who have fantasy value while while going through and examining all this for you guys tonight. There's, that player does not exist this particular week, at least not on average. So check your waiver wires, see what you have, but that's going to be the overall theme of tonight. That's also going to do it for the show. 
I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Again, we will be back on Thursday and Friday from 12 o'clock to 1.30 with our preview episodes. We'll preview the early window of Week 13 games. We'll preview the late window of uh, Week 13 games on Friday. And, you know, who knows what the schedule is going to be. So I don't even know right now who's going to be the early window and who's going to be the late window. There won't be a Thursday night game, so we're not going to have a Thursday night recap on Friday like we normally would. But come in, tune in, Worldwide Sports Radio Network on your Android app or WWSRN on iOS, 12 o'clock to 1.30. You can also watch the stream on social media if you so choose, on Twitter and on Facebook at BellyUpMDFFShow. And, of course, follow us for those player news notifications as well. And don't forget... We'll have mailbag segments this week. We, we got a little bit busy last week, had to put a bunch of content into some shorter shows because of the holiday. We'll be back to having a mailbag segment again this week on both Thursday and Friday. If you want to get on that mailbag segment, you want to have your questions answered, your fantasy dilemmas, have an insightful, thoughtful analysis going into what your decisions will be for your lineups this week, make sure you hit me up at BellyUpMDFFShow on Facebook and or Twitter. Even if we don't choose your question to be on the mailbag segment, you'll still get an in-depth answer from me because I'm all about helping you guys out here at MD Nation. So everybody, take care. I hope you guys get your Wednesday afternoon miracle. If you're still waiting on that to drop, I hope you guys get it. And we'll talk to you guys again on Thursday at 12 o'clock. See you then. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications.